You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host. Maddie Moon. Happy June, my friends. It is summertime. Summer is here. And you know what that means? It means acai bowls and smoothie bowls and picnics outside in the sun and setting up the slack line and reading your books outside with your dog and all the beautiful things that come with a big bright sun. All that yang energy. I am so ready for it. But maybe you don't live where I live. Maybe you live somewhere that's actually quite cold right now or you're in Australia where the weather is the complete opposite. And if that is the case, happy winter. I don't know. I want everyone to feel inclusive. So welcome to the show wherever you are in this big, wide, expansive world. I am so happy to have you. Today's podcast is going to be about how to not feel responsible for others. Others' actions, others' thoughts, others' dislikes, others' tantrums, others' discomforts. How to not get in the way of their process with your own fear of not being liked. How many people right now, if you're just like listening to this, just raise your hand. I can't see you. Raise your hand anyways. How many people feel responsible when someone doesn't like you or someone is upset or someone is having some sort of reaction to what you said or is mad at you? Like how many people automatically, without even questioning it, go into a space of it's my fault or I feel I feel unliked. How can I fix this? How can I fix this? And then go into overthinking and worrying and you're checking your email over and over and over and over and over again, waiting to see if they emailed you back or your text because you're having a text fight or waiting for them to call you because you have a call scheduled at 3 p.m. where they can tell you why they're mad and all the anxiety and all the feelings and upset. That's what we're talking about today. But of course, before we head on over, I want to tell you about the new show sponsor. This one is so cool. I am so excited to share with you Fit with two T's, F-I-T-T. If you are on Facebook or on Instagram or just online at all, you've probably seen Fit at some point because Fit is a fast and easy way to find any fitness studio, healthy place to eat, outdoor adventure, or upcoming event near you in your city or in a city that you're about to visit. Fit is on the ground in more than 25 cities and is expanding very quickly. The first time I found Fit, I was looking for something like the top 
healthiest but fast um, eating spots in Boulder where I live. I just wanted to get a nice little list on this so that whenever people come and visit me and I want to take them to get some really delicious but quick-ish food, uh, we could have this list on hand. And I came up with Fit and I was like, wow, this is amazing. They have different writers and people who go into travel into these cities and and get all the great spots that you can go eat or all the best rock climbing gyms or all the best triathlons coming up near you. So it's an all in one place for anyone who's living any kind of healthy lifestyle that wants to know where's the cool stuff at? Where am I gonna eat when I travel to this place? Or just if you wanna expand your knowledge of your own city. So if you wanna check it out, go to fit, which is F-I-T-T dot C-O slash moon. F-I-T-T co slash moon and you can select explore to find your city they are also on instagram really fun to follow them over there that's at f-i-t-t city cool cool i will have both of those links on the show notes for this episode go check it out see what you can find let me know if you like it let me know if it introduced you to anything cool the review of the week comes from SoCal Mermaid, and she says, my new favorite podcast with five stars. So happy I came across this podcast recently. It speaks to me and knows exactly the medicine that I need. Thank you so much. So, so much, SoCal Mermaid. That means so much to me. And I know I always say that at the end of every review, that means the world to me, but that's because it is. It's my natural instinct to say that because it does mean so much to me. If you've been listening to this show for a while now, a wonderful way to support the podcast for free is leaving a review like SoCal Mermaid did with five stars if you really love it, because that is the iTunes currency. It's how I get up in the ranks so that more people find me because I work so hard on this show, y'all. It's been four and a half years of recording, 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 never stopping because I love you and I love sharing these messages. So if it's helping you help the show, give back to the show by just leaving a review or sending your favorite episode to a friend. That's not only a great way to spread awareness of the show, but also to help a friend out. If they're struggling with feeling responsible for everyone's thoughts and actions and opinions, maybe this is the episode. Whereas maybe last week's episode with Christine might actually hit the spot a little bit more for people who are really embracing their cultural background or they're moving away from religion and into spirituality or maybe blending their religion with more spiritual practices. That could be a wonderful podcast to share with them as well. And next week we have a wonderful episode, of course, with a returning guest. Any guesses? Any guesses? So excited for that one. <sighs> But let's slow down. <laughs> I can get really excited when I get on this show and I just need to slow down because now it is time to go into this episode today. How to stop feeling responsible for the actions of others. Where did this episode first become inspired from? You may be asking. You're not asking that, but I'm going to start with that. There's a lot of different places where I've thought about this and I, I know I have mentioned it here and there about setting boundaries and not being responsible for, for other people, but I don't think I've done an entire episode on this subject per se. And I was having a session with a client a while back that really opened my eyes to some stuff. 
and it, and from that, this conversation is going to be born, but I want to share a little bit on what was, what was covered in this session and where we went. And, and, and this has been brought up in a few of my one-on-one coaching sessions. So it's not just this one, but a few and in conversation, just in conversation in general, heck, it's been something I've brought up as something that's gone on in my life in the past. So there is this, okay, hold on one second. This is only the beginning of where this came from. I want to make that very clear. This example is not what this entire episode is about. This is just one example, teeny tiny example, but maybe it will relate to quite a few of you. Uh, But we'll get into other areas of how we can choose not to be responsible for other people because this goes from sexuality to family relationships to friendships to work ethic to um, volunteering to sleep at night, like everything. So here is this first example. I was speaking with one of my clients who comes from a very conservative background and so, so do I. So I have this experience in my, underneath my own belt of understanding what this is like, but basically she had struggled with most of her life with feeling free in her femininity, feeling free in her ability to express her feminine, which could include flirting or being light and smiling and giggling and like just showing her authentic truth. Because deep down, I think all of us have this very revealing energy, this, oh, I'm so in love with life, like I'm smiling, I'm giggling, I'm happy. And when we feel that that energy of being innocent or youthful or young or fun, fresh, excited, smiley, giggly, flirty, all those things, when we feel like that energy is really vulnerable and in our past we've had that vulnerability taken advantage of, we repress it, we hide it, we store it away. And instead of smiling and giggling and laughing in all these moments when we can reveal how we feel, we cover it up and we, we hold back our smile or we don't make eye contact with a cute barista or we turn our back, we close our arms for our body language, we cut off the flow. And in this woman's conservative background, it was taught to her that it is the woman's job to not tempt the man. And if you come from a religious background, this could be something you've experienced in your life, depending on which religion, depending on your upbringing, your household, all depending. For me, I remember this for sure. There was a lot of talk around don't cause a man to stumble. And I've done an Instagram post on this. I will try to remember to include it in the show notes. I've done an Instagram post on this. I was so obsessed younger as a kid to not cause a man to stumble that this example right here taught me that I am responsible for the actions and thoughts and flaws in someone else. Whoa, that is so much weight to bear. So much weight to bear walking around all day long, obsessed and worried and preoccupied with thinking, am I causing someone to sin? That's others, other people's sins on me. I'm walking around my day-to-day life, and if I've got too much leg showing or shoulder showing, or if I make eye contact with my 
soft eyes and I look at someone and I smile and, and they have a girlfriend, you know, and, and I'm smiling and I'm open and I'm, I'm available to love and they have a girlfriend, they look at me and maybe they like what they see and it's my fault. It's my fault. I should have looked down. I should have looked away. I should be wearing jeans. I should not be smiling in that way. Like those are the kinds of thoughts that people who were raised with this kind of mentality grew up thinking as kids. In the time that you want to be exploring and living and, and seeing what there is in this world, you're, you're being a little adult. You're preoccupied and obsessed and carrying guilt and shame wherever you go. Things that are out of your control. So this is a tiny example. And this conversation I have with my client where this came up, where she had struggled with this feeling of do not cause a man to stumble. I can't have like the, the idea of flirting with the world, being open to the world, revealing your innocence and love and, and not in innocence, your tiger, your tigress, your, your fierceness, revealing and, and unleashing all of that into the world was a big no-no in the subconscious. The subconscious said no way because that kind of energy will cause a man to stumble, will cause people to stumble. And will it look like I'm trying too hard? Will it look like I'm asking for something? That's a whole another area of like you expressing your femininity and then someone tries to take advantage of it and you then convincing yourself that you asked for it, which is not what we're going to be covering today. But since we're here, <laughs> I can just throw that in. When someone is looking at you, when someone wants you or desires you, it is not your responsibility, period. That's not your responsibility. And when you cut off your light, your expression, your playfulness, your anger, your wrath, your joy, when you cut off all those different emotions out of fear that someone else will want it or see it, as one of my teachers have said, you're basically doing, you're, you're, you're experiencing two deaths. You are, you are dying not literally, but you are dying metaphorically because your light is dying because you're repressing it. But also the world is dying because the world runs on the feminine pleasure and feminine love light. Like it's women's pleasure, women's love, women's joy. That is a exact reflection of the divine's love. Women's, the feminines, I'll say that. Maybe not the women, women's, but the feminines. Pleasure and joy and love and expression is a direct reflection of the divine's love and expression and joy and pleasure. And so when people see that, they light up. A woman's joy has the ability to light up the world. It is mesmerizing. It is beautiful. And it is unlike the masculines. The masculine is all about this presence and this structure and this drive and consciousness in its core. That's what it is. It's consciousness. But it comes alive by someone's expression. It comes alive by the feminine's expression. They fuel each other. So that's, again, probably another direction that I will want to say for another time because I can definitely go down this rabbit hole and I'm catching myself because <laughs> we're talking about something different today. And and uh, what, what I really want to focus on is releasing the idea that you are responsible for the thoughts, opinions, actions, beliefs, upsets, everything from another person. So this example that I started out with could be one of the first initial beliefs you created around you being the one to blame for someone else's actions. Like 
If you go back into your childhood, you probably were given many messages that have contributed to how you are today. If you are someone who is constantly tiptoeing around someone else's beliefs or thoughts or trying, not, or trying to walk on eggshells so you don't upset someone with your presence, your being, who you are, it all starts with stuff like that. It all starts with these beliefs that were taught when we're kids. So maybe your experience is totally different. Maybe someone in your family, like let's say your mother, let's pretend like it's your mom, who every time she was upset, your father would say, it's your job to make her happy. It's your job to make her happy. You have to make her happy. And so when you get older, that doesn't just go away. Your entire life, if you're told every day as a child that it's your job to make your mom happy, your entire life as an adult, until you do the work to change it, will be based on this subconscious programming that it's your job to make your mother happy. So you're going to walk around life making sure you only date people she wants you to date. You only take jobs she wants you to take. Even if she, even if she lets go of that, even if your dad lets go of that, you will not. That will still be in your subconscious. So even if your mom's like, I don't care who you date whenever you're 35, let's say she, gives, she doesn't care anymore, you will still become a detective to find out who do you want me to date tell me or you'll be lost you'll either really 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 want them to tell you the way or you'll be lost whenever you're dating people because you no longer have her as a compass and so you'll end up dating all sorts of people that really aren't in integrity with you so that's another example um another example of hmm, of this could be Simply being punished for upsetting kids in your class or being punished for exploring things in your life or being punished for wanting something other than what your family wanted, being punished for feeling upset, that's a real thing. For many kids, many kids, I mean, we're all waking up to this now, but for many children, being mad at your parents was like, the cardinal sin. It was the worst thing you could ever do because in your parents' eyes, they are like the best thing that's ever walked on planet Earth. And if you were ever upset at them, maybe they sent you to your room. Go to your room. Like you weren't allowed to feel those emotions. So you trained yourself as a kid to always be okay and to always make sure they're okay. Always make sure as a child that your parents' emotions are tended to. And we don't just cut this off when we get Older, this is the very important thing I want to sink in here is that just because you're 21, because you're 36, you're 55, doesn't mean all of this goes away. You have to do work in order to undo the programming that was put in you since birth. So if you feel really upset if someone tells you they don't like what you said or they make a face that they don't like what you said or they're offended or they want to tell you how to live your life and you say no and they get upset about it or they, they look at you and they want you. Going back to that original example, someone's attracted to you. Like, this is not your responsibility. You are responsible for you, period. You are not responsible for other people's actions. Even if you plant an idea in their head and they move forward with it and it was a total mistake, it's still not your fault. You are not the one that put it into motion. You are not the one that made it happen. People may blame you and say it was you 
People may throw everything they can to make sure it's not on them. But at the end of the day, they are still the one that made the choice. They are still the one having the experience. They are still the one having the trigger. This is another example. So if you've been following me since I started this show, you know that I had a very long period of time, and I still talk about it here and there, of talking about body image. Body image, body image, body image. Everything was body image. This was a body image podcast. I was a body image coach. Everything was about eating disorder recovery. Like that's where it was at. And one thing that happened to me all the freaking time, which is eventually one of the biggest reasons why I left talking about nothing but that, is I would, everything I posted, there was a 50-50 chance it would be a hit or a miss. But it, but it wasn't just a hit or a miss. It was an attack if it was a miss. And it was a love. Yes, 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 a love if it was good. And if you listen to this show and you do body image work, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you, if you ever post about body image, loving your body, if you've ever taken a picture of your medium slash average size body and posted it on Instagram and said, I love my body, half of the people are going to say, thank you. Thank you for sharing this and showing how much you love your body. It helps me. And the other half is going to say, how dare you? You're still conventionally thin. It's not right for you to post a picture of your mostly naked body and say, you love it. You look like a supermodel. This isn't okay. They're not going to like it. Um, because that's just where they're at. It's, it's, there's a lot of scarcity mindset still, or there's a lot of black and white, right and wrong. This is how you do it in the body image work. And I'm sure it's like that in other industries as well. Maybe being a mother, if you do lots of mother work and blog posts and Instagram shares, maybe moms are very opinionated about this is the right way or this is the right way. And if you post something they they don't agree with, they might get triggered. So before I really dove into this work, that was highly effective to me. Sorry, maybe not effective. Yeah, I think that's the right word. Highly swaying of myself, my emotions on a day-to-day basis. If someone, if I posted something and someone didn't like it, instead of me being in my power and saying, this is how I felt. This is how I felt an hour ago before I posted it. And I'm going to stay here. I was very swayed by people and it did a lot of turmoil to me. Made me feel like I wasn't good enough as a body image coach. I would be very curious to hear from all of you who do body image work, how you have worked through this. If this is your story as well, because I certainly have, but it wasn't through body image. I eventually left that because I, I got very annoyed with me being in my truth and always, and I just naturally started to tiptoe around what people wanted and everything felt vanilla. Everything felt vanilla because I didn't want to piss off either side and I wanted everyone to feel good. So I never could say any bold things. And so body image speakers or eating disorder recovery speakers. Now people who are really stepping into this light, they've really, really, really got to have a thick skin because their body could be attacked even by the body image community. And my point in all of this is saying that you are not responsible for the reaction of others. So now I can tell you, looking back, if I were to post something, and let's say someone has a very strong emotional reaction to whatever I shared, saying that, um, like, even, for example, if I could share, if I ever shared, um, like, a, a, a meal I was eating, half the people would be like, that looks delicious, thank you for sharing your lunch. And then the other half might be like, do you understand that a lot of people have an eating disorder and they follow you and you're totally contributing to their 
triggers and you're messing up their day. Like, and then I would delete it because I'd feel bad. Here's the thing. The people who are feeling triggered by my food, they have work to do. It is not my responsibility to censor who I am to make other people happy, period. It is not your responsibility to censor people's reactions. If people are triggered by you, it's not your doing. It's showing something to them about them if they choose to listen to the call. This is not giving you permission to say things that are hurtful or mean. The only rule here is don't intentionally hurt anyone. And don't physically hurt anyone. Um, that's, that goes without saying, and I know my audience pretty well. I know all of you already know that. But it goes without saying that if you're not hurting anyone and you're just speaking your truth, however people interpret that is up to them. If someone feels really triggered by your lunch, they have work to do. Maybe they need to unfollow you. And that's another reason for you not to get offended if people unfollow you. It's happening probably for your, for your own best interest, so they're not going to be angry at you when you post your lunch. So if you get unfollows when you share something, that's weeding out the people who are not right for you. And I'm not even saying this to people who are business owners. I'm saying this to everyone, anyone. If you're just uh, doing Instagram for fun and there's no purpose behind it, like building a business and you just post something and you get unfollows by people who you thought were your friends, they're still your friends, but maybe they're being triggered and it's not your job to control how they get triggered, if they get triggered and when they get triggered. And if their response to being triggered is unfollowing you, cool, like be happy for them because they're, they're setting boundaries for themselves. We can't have all this talk about set boundaries, set boundaries, but then get mad when people unfollow us because maybe for them that's their highest good. That's their boundary is unfollowing you. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean what you said was or what you wrote was uh, painful or triggering to everyone. If you wrote it and it came from your heart, it's an, ex it's an example and a reflection of where you are at, but we can't expect everyone else to be where we're at. Some people do not like that I use the word manifestation or abundance or um, that I use the feminine and the masculine. That's a huge one. That's a huge part of my message. And a lot of people are not on board with thinking that there's a feminine and there's a masculine. There are many people who want to argue with that. And they want to say everything is just one. And that's an old way of thinking. And that's so, so, so not what I think. Very opposite of what I think. I think we do a disservice whenever we let go of the feminine and the masculine. I think polarity exists and passion exists and life exists because of this polarity. And people who do not appreciate or do not like it, I'm not going to try to control their emotions or actions, their unfollows, their follows, their arguments, their triggers, they get triggered by feminine, masculine, that's showing them something. They have something there they need to look at. Maybe they need to look at work on thinking, why am I so triggered by hearing feminine, masculine? Or maybe they need to do more work in letting go of the idea of feminine, masculine. I have no idea. But I am doing a disservice to people by intervening with their trigger. So when I say that, I mean either trying to tell them that they're not getting triggered. Hey, what I wrote was actually on point. I didn't mean it that way, blah, blah, blah. Trying to fix the trigger. No, no, no. I do not try to fix the trigger. I may rephrase things if they're definitely missing the point and I might, depending on what they said or what kind of energy I'm in, I may nurture them through the experience. I may tough love it through the experience. 
If you're one of my clients, you know this. Sometimes you have my nurturing energy. Sometimes you have my tough love energy. And it depends on what I feel in that moment you need. Either way, I'm not going to undo the trigger and backpedal what I said. I said it for a reason. And by uh, getting in the way of someone's trigger, you're also robbing them of the opportunity to learn something. When I first started coaching and even now whenever I raise my fees or I go through a period of um, speaking out my new fees for the first time like there might be a little bit of money triggering going on within myself but it's not my job to listen to that money trigger I've got to stand in my prices and know that I'm worth it even if it takes a period of faking it till you make it because it's new and that's great there's a comfort zone stretching and before I was really aware of the fact that you don't want to intervene with someone's triggers, I would present my fees to my potential clients in a very shy, fearful way, a a hesitating way. I would be worried I'd be triggering them with my talk about money. Yeah, so I was triggered and I was worried they would be triggered. (laughs) So no one was in their power. And then the first step was for me to speak my fees with confidence with power with authority with love and knowing that putting down money is a service to my client and holding the container for them to have whatever trigger they have because people are triggered by money conversations but as a coach it's my job not to get my trigger in that conversation I want to have a clear container I want to hold the space I want them to feel safe as they have their own experience But it does not do a service to people to rush through the prices or to say it fearfully or to uh, lower my fees. It's not doing a service. It's not challenging people to face those triggers. So now when I speak my fees and we have these conversations, I am in the masculine. I'm holding the container and I'm allowing them to have whatever triggered experience they are having. Maybe they're having money blocks rush up. This is a great opportunity to coach to be a coach through those money blocks. Maybe they're just having this overwhelming feeling of not enoughness or lack, a great opportunity to coach and to coach them through those triggers. And the triggers is showing them something. It's showing them where they're being blocked. It's showing them what their their money fears really are. So it's good. It's good for people to have triggers. I do not want to get in the way of people having triggers. Uh, so here's here's just a, a, a few bullets here on what you can do to release the need to control other people's experiences, to release the feeling of being responsible for, for the other people's actions or thoughts or upsets or whatever it may be. The first one is to set emotional boundaries. Set emotional boundaries with yourself. And so you can have physical boundaries here as well. And and boundaries, what that really means is creating a, a container like I was just describing with my coaching. Setting boundaries doesn't mean pushing people out. Rather, it's really an act of pulling people in. Because when you know what's allowed inside of the conversation, what's allowed inside of the relationship, you feel safer to drop into it. Whenever there's this mystical unknown conversation, can we talk about this? Can I say this? When there's no boundaries and you don't know how often you can bring something up or how often you can see someone in your life, it's always a little bit tense. So boundaries really deepens the relationship with someone. I have boundaries in my life with family members and there are periods where it's a little bit tense, but when we set the clear container of, okay, 
I would love for us to have these conversations on the table, but this stuff over here that you've brought up time and time again, I'm having an experience with it and I need to have this process on my own and I need to be with myself on it and I don't want any outsiding, outsider perspectives on it. Let me move through this on my own. I'll let you know if it ever becomes a topic we can discuss, but I would like for this to be something that is a personal experience and that's it for now. And you can get an okay and then great, now there's a boundary set and they know this is not something to bring up. And so this, this avoids fights, this avoids tension. We're all clear, we're all good. So really it is an act of deepening the relationship. So that's a physical boundary. An emotional boundary means that you have to set, an, a, set a boundary with yourself that emotionally you're not going to let yourself get too involved into anything that's happening externally. For example, an emotional boundary, if you write a post on something that's vulnerable for you, your emotional boundary is really reflect before you hit post, before you read any comments, really reflect on how that post makes you feel. Does it make you feel warm? Does it feel in alignment with you? Does it feel true? If that's so, that's all that matters. If not, take a second, pause, Ask yourself if you really want to post this. Ask yourself if it is going to serve people. Is it going to enhance your message? Is it risky? Maybe. I posted something the other day that was super risky and I really had to think about it for like two hours. Like, is this something I really want to post? Or is this, is this uh, something that's not in alignment with me quite yet and I want to do more work before I post it? And eventually the answer was yes, I do want to post this. This is, this is what I want to post. This is the feeling I was getting of hesitation was more of entering a new area, a new boundary. I'm not boundary, a new comfort zone level. I was getting out of my comfort zone and that was where the fear was coming from. But I have had fear that felt more like contraction than expansion. That was a expansive fear where it's like, oh, getting out of my comfort zone with this one. But I have had feelings of, ugh. Maybe this isn't worded quite right. And that's all that matters is that it feels good to you and it's not harming anybody. So going back to the example, if you've got to post something, the emotional boundary is, all right, I'm posting this. This is true to me. This feels good. I'm not going to let my feelings of this be affected by anyone that follows with a comment on it. Maybe that means you don't read the comments. Maybe that means you turn off the comments. Maybe that means you allow the comments to come in, but you're creating a container for yourself. You can feel, you can feel a pang of emotions. You can feel like if someone texts you and says that you hurt their feelings today, you, you can have a pang of emotions like, oh, I didn't mean to hurt them. It, it, it's a, you're allowed to feel hurt by someone else's hurt. You're allowed to feel upset if someone else is upset at you. That is absolutely fine. That's part of the human experience. What you don't want to do is lower your, your self-worth because of it or become a worrier or an overthinker. When you set boundaries, emotional boundaries, you allow yourself to have the experience, but you don't get lost and closed because of it. That's the key. You do not want to be closed because of the experience. Can you remain open? This is a great practice for you and your partner. Whenever they are hurt by something you did, Instead of letting the ego get involved and you say, oh, well, I, I am glad I did that or I'm perfect. You know, I'm perfect. I, there's nothing wrong with me. You're crazy. You're crazy. If you're getting upset at that. Can you set an emotional boundary with yourself where you let this person's feelings come in? You stay open. You listen to what they're saying and you use that as great feedback 
Feedback is wonderful. You're not responsible for their, their action or their, their feelings. So let's say you do something that triggers someone, you are still not responsible for the result in them, the feeling in them. Because the reason why they're having a feeling due to what you, whatever you, it is that you did is because of their own history. Maybe you didn't do something. Let me think of an example. I don't know. Let's say maybe you're making dinner, your partner's sitting on the couch, you make dinner just for yourself because you've had a long day, you weren't thinking about making dinner for the two of you, you just wanted to whip something up, your partner's sitting on the couch, you go over, you sit down, your partner's all like, you didn't make me food too? You didn't make me food? So in that example, they might come to you and say, you didn't make me food, I really wanted, I thought you were gonna make me some. And you might respond with having a closed off heart thinking, you make your own food. That's crazy you thought I was going to make you food. You didn't ask. I mean, like have all this defensiveness come up because you're making it about you and you're feeling, you ultimately are feeling bad that you didn't succeed in this and that you hurt someone, that it's your fault, it's your fault. The ideal here is to have an open heart and take a bird's eye view. If you're like a bird and you're like floating around, I guess the word would be flying around. You're flying around. You're looking down at the situation. All that happened was a woman made herself dinner and sat down on a couch. That's all that happened. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. That's literally, it means nothing. It just means a woman made dinner and sat down on the couch. But he was having his own experience. So maybe he used to date someone who never, ever, ever thought of him too. And his biggest fear is he's not worthy of being thought of as well. He's not worthy of having dinner made for him. He's not lovable. Let's just go down to the deep core of the fear. He's not lovable. And that act of you making food for yourself triggered that. It's not your job to tell him he wasn't triggered. It's not your job to control the trigger either. It's not your fault. He had the trigger. That is all happening for a reason. Instead, look at the opportunity here. This is an opportunity to deepen your relationship. If his core wound is he's not lovable, and this example brought it out in him, this is a way that you can put this this right here on the table, and it can be known, the importance to him of being thought of. And you can go and write that down in your journal, and remember, he likes to be thought of. What little things can you do on a daily basis that'll make him be, make him think that he's thought of and make him feel special? That is what love is. It's these little acts of showing someone that you do care, taking your time to do these things. But if you're so caught up in your head about you, oh no, I'm not perfect. Oh no, I didn't make him food too. I'm so selfish. I'm so this, I'm so that. Both of you are triggered. There's no container being held. You want the triggers to happen in people because it's helping them see something within themselves and it will teach you how to love them. It will teach you what they want and need in order to feel loved. And that will deepen your relationship. And this kind of stuff happens with friendships. I mean, friendships are not that much different than dating. A real friendship. You will be triggered. And you do not want to spend all of your precious time wishing you could have undone the trigger. The trigger is there for a reason. Be cool with it. Triggers show you things. Don't try to tiptoe around someone else's trigger. Let them be triggered. It's their experience and it's important for them to feel it so they know what is not healed. 
If no one was ever triggered, no one would be doing any healing. If no one was ever triggered, no one would be doing their own healing. It's a gift to be triggered. Really, truly, it is. Might not feel like it at the time. But don't rob someone of being triggered because you fear their experience. It's not your job. I'm triggered all the time. And it's great. Like, I love it. I love it now. It depends. You know, sometimes there are experiences where I'm, I'm really in the, the pain for a while. But I, as long as I'm feeling the pain with an open heart and not a closed, I move through it. If I'm remaining open, I'm re- remaining available to love and remaining connected to the divine, and I'm being triggered, it's a very healing experience because I can see, oh, there's a wound I haven't looked at. Oh, there's something like love I yearn for in my life. It can show you what you want more of, and it can show you what you want less of. So if you say something that triggers someone, here's what I want you to remember. You are responsible for what you say, not what they hear. You are responsible for what you say, not what they hear. Let go of the idea you are responsible for what people hear. They hear what they need to hear. They hear what they want to hear. They will react accordingly. So you go ahead and you open your heart. You let love shine through you. This is where I get cheesy. (laughs) You remain open, joyful, pleasure-filled, ecstatic. If people desire you, that's their experience too. It's not healthy for you to tiptoe around life trying to cover up your clothes, trying to cover up your body in these baggy, baggy clothes, cover up your heart, so to say, with baggy emotions and things that aren't true to you, cover up your your mind with gunk and junk and stuff that's not serving you. It's time to skim those layers, to slush off the stuff that's no longer applicable, to wear clothes that make you feel vibrant, to smile if you feel like smiling, to shine, If people desire you, that's their experience. And it does not mean that you are vulnerable to what they want and they're going to get it. No way, Jose. You are a woman in your power. You are confident. You can say no. You can say no. I do not want to go on a date with you. No. I have a boyfriend. No. No, I don't want that. Right? But to cut off your love light, to cut off your shine and your beauty out of fear that people might want it is a disservice not only to you but to the world. Because the world is not full of all these people trying to suck your love light from you. It's beautiful. And that's why when they see it, they smile and they light up. Because it's beautiful. A woman in her essence, in her authenticity, in all of her emotions revealing on a day-to-day basis how she feels, whether it's anger or happiness, like a woman that's fully embodying who she is, is beautiful. And people will look. They will be in awe of you. When you're truly letting your glow glow, they will look and they will be in awe of you. But it doesn't mean they want to harm you or hurt you or take anything away. And that's why this is a, this is a job for the masculine and the feminine. We are all learning together 
or at least I should hope, and that's part of my mission here on this podcast, is to help women how to reveal and, and show their light and show their emotions and set boundaries and be in their feminine flow and remain open. And also for men to learn how to be conscious during that, to see that and not be like, that's mine, that's mine, give me, give me, give me, and to said, be able to see it and to appreciate it and to love it so that the world becomes a safer place for all women to open up and be free and be vulnerable and be flirty with the world and all men know how to handle it and to see it and to respect it and to honor it and cherish it and love it. So let's see, that's a good place to drop some names for the masculine. Um, if you're going to be listening to the masculine point of view on this as well. A wonderful person is Josh Trent. I've had him on the show. He's a great person to get the masculine insight for all of your partners and the men in your life. Josh Trent, John Wineland, of course, David Data, the, the, the father of all of this beautiful feminine masculine consciousness, love-like conversation, anything by David Data. Justin Baldoni, Justin Patrick Pierce, Kyle Lipton, and Drew Gerald. So those men are wonderful representations of the masculine, in my opinion. I think they're doing great work in this world. I will be sure to include links to each one of those men. So if you have a partner or if you are ready to dive deeper into the masculine, I will make sure that I have links to some of their things on the show notes for this episode, which is episode 207. Last but not least, I, I forgot to include his name, but it just popped in my head and I would be bummed if I forgot to mention him. But Lewis Howes, he's great too. He has a book out called, oh, The Masks of Masculinity, I think. Um, I'll double check on that, but I will include his link as well. Most of you probably know who Lewis Howes is. He has his own podcast. He was a previous NFL player and he does wonderful work in this world. Definitely check him out. Okay, wait, one more. Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty. He is fantastic and he is just blowing up right now. You've probably seen some of Jay Shetty's videos on Facebook. This man is so wise on the topic of love and relationships. Okay, that's it. There are so many great men in the world holding presence, being in leadership roles, and I think it's worth it for every woman out there as they are on their own journey of discovering the feminine within them and how to reveal their heart's desires, their heart's truth to also simultaneously learn more about the masculine and vice versa. Okay, so in conclusion of this episode, know that your job on this earth is to step into your power and to reveal your authentic, your authentic truth, your authentic self. When you tiptoe around other people's reactions, their wishes, their criticism and approval, their actions and their triggers, you inevitably become vanilla and you are not being the sparkly, shiny blast of energy that you really are, the person you're meant to be. And they are not having the experiences of growth that you can provide for them by simply being yourself. Okay, last thing I wanted to do today is my own quick fire questions. I thought I would ask myself some quick fire questions and it just sounded like fun. So Madeline, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, number one. If I could trade lives with anyone for an entire day, who would it be and why? If I could trade lives with anyone for an entire day, it would probably be Rain Wilson. Why? Because Rain Wilson 
has a brain unlike any other. He is quirky. He is religious. He is ridiculous. He is full of depth. He's a family man. He is just uh, a thespian. Like he's such a typical thespian in the in the aspect of being this indescribable, creative, quirky person that I just want. I just want to know what his life is like. What does he eat? What is his morning routine? What does his meditation look like? What does his journal look like? For anyone who doesn't know who Rain Wilson is, he is Dwight from The Office. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Shark diving, bungee jumping, or skydiving? Shark diving, that's one of my top must-do bucket list items. Um, if I only had a year to live, if I was living by those that kind of imagination, this would be something I would do within the next few months. That's how serious I am about shark diving. Most bizarre talent. Mm, I don't know if this is a talent, but I can pop my hip in and out of place on cue, which is kind of weird, especially if you touch it while I do it. It's kind of icky. Um, what is a misconception others have about you? Hmm, misconception others might have around me is that I, oh, maybe that I'm like constantly all day long working. I'm not, I'm, I'm not working. I'm not hustling at all. I'm not a hustle person. I have, I go to do some sort of activity or movement like three times a day. I, I split it up. I, I watch TV. I, I do some work. I coach. I write. I lay on my couch and I read. I take my dog for walks. Like, I know that I'm blessed to be able to have so much space in my day to fill it up with pleasure-filled activities, and I take advantage of that. I don't, I used to like sit down and like work, 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 like make myself work. Even if I had no inspiration, I need to work. I need to fill this hour up with time, and I need to be at a coffee shop and just pretending to work, and maybe something will come out, and eventually I just stopped doing that because I realized that that was not serving me. I was trying to fit into this old must work nine to five mindset, even though I didn't have to. And I realized that I would get a lot more done, even if it's not work productivity wise, I would get a lot more done just of living. If I only worked when I felt inspired to work and needed to work and had to work and wanted to work. And the rest of the time I filled it up with fun. That was a hard shift for me to make. It sounds very strange, but it was hard for me to justify fun. And eventually I justified fun. I faked, I faked it till I made it. And now I am using all the time that I can for fun, sometimes for naps, sometimes for Netflix, sometimes for creative conversations with friends, for Skype, whatever I want. But I think people might think that I'm working all day long, morning till night, and I'm not. And those are my quick fire round questions. That is it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love if you left an iTunes review with five stars and let me know what you liked about it. And I'll probably read it on the podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. Head on over to the, the show notes for this episode at maddiemoon.com or you can continue the conversation on Instagram. And if you have not checked out the free gifts I have on my website, I have free gifts for you. I have an entire PDF of my top 100 favorite books. This includes body image books, self-care books, money abundance books, relationship books, divine masculine and feminine. All my favorite books are on there. So you go to maddiemoon.com slash free gift and you will be able to download that there. Okay, hope you love this. I'll see you next week.